Hi, this is Tom Compton of We Hold These Truths. You're listening to the Unheralded News and Review and Pharisee Watch, brought to you by We Hold These Truths at whtt.org on the web. Each week we look into the events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events. Ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's podcast for Unheralded News, we're going to visit one of the topics which, of course, is dear and near to we at We Hold These Truths, and that is our vigils. One of the things that ruffles a lot of feathers at Christian Zionist churches is the fact that we come out and challenge them with signs like, get this, blessed are the peacemakers, who a Jesus bomb Choose life, not war. That's one of my favorites. Stop hurting Philistines. And this is very memorable for a lot of these churches, and they don't like us being there. Chuck Carlson is going to be speaking in Washington, D.C., again at the Al-Quds Day event. Now, Al-Quds is the Arabic word for Jerusalem. It's the day of Jerusalem, and there are celebrations of observance. This is a holy city for Muslims, and so there are observances all around the country. There is one here in Phoenix, and we hold these truths. We'll be speaking at that, too, with some other people, like the Students for Justice in Palestine. So it's great to see that the convergence here, and then there'll be an imam speaking at this event, as I assume there will be at the event that you're going to be at, Chuck. But in addition, because Chuck is going to be in Washington, he wants to go back and is planning to do a vigil at the McLean Bible Church. Now, we did a podcast on this earlier this year. Back in March, we had a vigil there at McLean Bible Church. And so as we normally do before we do a vigil, Chuck, or the leader of the vigil, will write a letter to the pastor letting him know we're coming and why we're coming. So this is the second letter to the pastor there at McLean Bible Church. His name is Lon Solomon. And Chuck has been doing his homework, listening to some of the sermons. And so I'd like Leslie to read the letter to uh, Pastor Lon Solomon. Dear Pastor Lon Solomon, once again we are coming to McLean Bible Church on Sunday. Project Straight Gate is a mission to the misled followers who practice this apostate belief called Christian Zionism, led to believe they are following Christ into war. At stake are millions of potential casualties of war, A few will be our own children. We ask you to stop supporting the Washington and Tel Aviv promoted bombing of the people of Iran and the occupation of Palestine. We will bring this simple message to your congregation. Blessed are the peacemakers. Who would Jesus bomb? Choose life, not war. Stop hurting Philistines. I want you to understand why we are returning to McLean, though 
after our first vigil there in March. We have studied what you teach, Pastor Lon. You are selling Christian Zionism that can only lead to perpetual war and sadness in the Middle East. A study of your sermons reveals you to be inconsistent as sometimes you say all people are created equal by God. We assume you include those in Iran and Palestine. But the next time, you say Israelis. And in fact, all ethnic Jews are superior to the rest of us in God's eyes. We have read your testimony about the rabbi who told you, quote, hell is for Gentiles, unquote, and, quote, all Jews go to heaven, unquote. You claim you rejected the rabbi believing salvation is needed to enter Jesus' kingdom. But next, you are back into the rabbi's track. Israel has all the rights. Palestinians have none, and Jewish children are more dear to God than Palestinian babies. Which way is it, Pastor Lon? Yours is a more polished Zionist line than the bull in the china closet John Hagee, but still Zionism, and Zionism kills. Your sermon, Origin of the Jewish People, on April fifteenth, two 2012, teaches self-contradictory falsehood, distorting the words of Genesis 12, 1 through 3. You say political state of Israel is the fulfillment of biblical prophecy of 3,000 years ago, but there was no Israel when God spoke to Abram. Israel was a child born two generations later. Political Israel picked its name out of the Bible just as A million Jews and Gentiles call their children Abraham today. Are they all blessed by God on account of the name their parents pick? You say God made an unconditional promise 3,000 years ago to the present-day state of Israel. It picked its name 64 years ago to inherit a specific land territory forever. Therefore, you imply the Palestinians cannot have a claim to the same land upon which they have lived for hundreds of years. You say it, but the Bible does not say it. It is only in man-made footnotes plugged into certain Bibles. You say God made a promise of blessing individuals and nations, like our own. If they honor the present-day state of Israel and a curse laid on those who oppose Israel's acts. But the Bible does not say God is making promises to political subdivisions run by people who do not even believe in God or to future governments that did not exist in Abram's time. God's promise is made to, quote, thee, unquote, meaning protecting Abram for doing God's will 3,000 years ago. You are the one who told us Jews today are secular. Listen to your own testimony. To the contrary, the words of Jesus tells us Christ is the fulfillment of biblical prophecy, not Israel. Jesus does not share the throne with Israel or the USA or any other man-made government. Land changes hands by acts of men, some of which are violent, And God never said he is in the real estate business. 
Jesus said he would judge each man for salvation, fulfilling the old covenant. Never did Jesus say he would judge countries, tribes, or states, or churches. Your own guest speaker at McLean's, Mark Bailey of Dallas Seminary, recorded a talk on August 8 that refutes most arguments you make. He quoted Apostle Paul lecturing the Greeks and Jews in Athens in Acts 17, verses 24 through 26, about the equality of man in God's eyes. And was not Paul a former Judean, a former Pharisee like you? He said, there is neither Judean nor Greek. All are one in Christ and heirs to the promise of salvation through Jesus. But you, Pastor Lon, seem to want it Paul's way part of the time. But then when you speak of Israel, you resurrect a chosen race that God loves more than the rest of us. Which way is it, Pastor Lon Solomon, your way or Paul's? in Jesus' way. If you were only injuring yourself, I would have no complaint. Frankly, I am not too worried about your salvation. You are having your glory like a gold medal winner. I fear for those who take you seriously. They are your victims. Our prayer is that you will examine your own faults and bloody with the blood of future war victims. Position and make a Christ-like commitment to oppose the continued American slaughter in the Middle East, including your support of Israeli occupation of Palestine. Churches like yours and your members should be, but are not, the most peace-seeking persons on the globe. Jesus is believed by all Christ followers to have said, quote, For as much as you have done it to the least of my brothers, you have done it unto me. Jesus gives examples of both kindness and evil done. Matthew 24. What are you doing to the least of your brothers but guiding them on the path of war? Pastor Solomon, war is an act against Jesus. I hope you will come out and tell me you agree with me on the public right-of-ways in front of McLean's Bible. In the future, we hope to have a team there regularly until you join us as a pastor for peace and justice for all men. Toward the straight gate, Charles Carlson. Thank you. Well done, Chuck. That was an excellent letter. I think it really hit the point. I don't know how many friends you're going to win in McLean Bible Church, but it does need to be said, and unfortunately, we don't see a lot of these type of people changing heart. I mean, they've got a pretty good income from what they're doing. We see this from John Hagee. He seems to uh, revel in uh, all this kind of activity and has no concern at all. I mean, I doubt that Pastor Solomon is like you said, as over-the-top like John Hagee and prayed for war, actually asking God to start a war against Iraq in the case before we went to war in 2003 and as long as five years ago calling for a 
preemptive strike against Iran to protect Israel. Pastor Solomon is no different from other dispensational pastors in that he uses the same, exactly the same technique. And it only takes about 20 minutes of researching through their files uh, to find where he started to talk about Genesis 12 and how the state of Israel owns all of the land of the Middle East by virtue of the Abrahamic promise. This is so common in every dispensational church. It is, it's a hallmark. And, of course, it's just why we have covered it so carefully in our video, The Tragedy and the Turning, and all of our other videos that uh, we have on our websites, because uh, in every church, it always starts there. No matter who it is, they, they go back to Abraham. And he goes a step further. The words that, are, that Leslie read are actually not exactly the words. I had to go back and look at my notes. But here's the way Lon Solomon interprets Genesis 12. He said, God made an unconditional, eternal commitment. Those are his words. To, the, to Abraham and the Jewish people, those also are his words. So all Jewish people are part of this unconditional, eternal commitment. Eternal, think of that. And all this is about the land. That's what the Genesis 12 is about. So this is the danger of people like Lon Solomon, as they come right back to saying, no matter how you cut it, God gave the land to the Israelis. So really, it's none of our business. We cannot enter into what God does for these people. If God wants to choose to wipe every Palestinian off the face of the earth and use the state of Israel to do that, then uh, we, we really can't quibble with God. It's not between us, you and I, it's between God and the Jewish people to decide what to do. Now, Solomon also plays up his own Jewishness, and he does this in several ways. In listening to him, it's kind of sickening, really, that every sermon he somehow reverts back to being a nice Jewish boy who saw the light. And then he compares himself to the Apostle Paul, who was also a nice Jewish boy, he says, who saw the light. Solomon plays up this Jewishness, and he talks about the rabbi who explained to him that Jews cannot sin. And he, of course, in his conversion experience, decided the rabbi couldn't be right. Someone convinced him that he could sin. And uh, he also plays up his wonderful sin life. It seems that he had a delightful and extremely enjoyable sin life that he reveled in greatly through his college years. And he kind of enjoys talking about that. This is also often a hallmark of Christian Zionists. They love to play up their sinfulness because if they didn't have a sinful life, what in the world could God redeem them from? And what sign would they have to show people that they have been redeemed and are now Christian? So Lon does that too, and he's good at it. He's very smooth at it, and he keeps his indecency quite decent, you might say. All of these things are so typical of the Christian Zionist megachurch successful leader. I, a few months ago, met the ultimate sinner in the pulpit, who uh, was the pastor of the Cornerstone Church of Nashville, Tennessee, and his name is uh, Maury Davis. And his sin was a knife murder of a 52-year-old woman, deliberate decapitation. Maury Davis played up the idea that he was a murderer, and that was his redemption. And this is the proof of his redemption, that God had saved him from slaughtering this, uh, this woman uh, in absolute cold blood. And he never told the details of 
uh, what he'd done because it was so heinous. Uh, he just said that he was a murderer, and then he, he didn't like to speak of the details. But the local newspaper found out about him one time and wrote a story and put it, made him public. So then he had to uh, bring out the Bowie knife and talk about about the kind of murder that he, that he'd actually committed. And he again used it to show that even even an axe murderer could be forgiven by God. So this is all very typical of the people who run these mega churches. They're tremendously charismatic. They play up their salvation experiences. In the case of Lon Solomon, he does Maury Davis one better by bringing up that he actually is Jewish. He's not was Jewish, but he is actually Jewish. As a result of this, he gets away with outrageous biblical stretches. And uh, he vacillates back and forth between saying that God controls absolutely everything and that everyone is created absolutely equal in God's eyes. And then he'll launch right into the next sermon and talk about how the Jewish people today are God's chosen people and that they are different and accepted from these rules. And he, of course, uses the success of Judaism as a proof that God is still on the side of the Jewish people today. He says that openly in his sermons. So this, to give you a little background about Lon Solomon and why we wrote this very strong letter to him, and uh, we will be going there and hopefully, God willing, as the, uh, as the Muslims say, we will have some help to go there and confront this church as we did, uh, Tom, when you were with us. Thanks for that letter, Chuck. It, once again, it's very powerful. We'll be amazed if, if you get any kind of response. Typically, the response is no response. They'll look the one, other way. One thing I should add, Tom, one thing we've learned is that it's necessary to give these letters that we write to the pastor some wings. In other words, if the pastor was the only one to get this letter, he would trash it call us a bunch of nuts, say that he didn't know why we were present, and uh, simply uh, denounce us as vile anti-Semites or something like that and go on with his business. But we do a research job, and uh, we've sent this letter to some number. I've forgotten what the number is. I don't recall whether it was 25 or 45 members of his staff. They have a very large staff. This church actually has about four facilities running at one time around the D.C. area. And the total number of people at the, the, the so-called worship at these churches numbers in the 20,000 or so. So we have popped our notice off to all of these people, including his secretary, and uh, you'll see her name appearing on the front page and also the staff of the church. So that uh, then members of the church already know about this letter, and he can hardly just trash the letter. He has to actually deal with it, and at least he can't lie about what he said in the letter. I know lie is a strong word, but leaders of these churches have done this many times. When we've gone there, they've simply trashed our letter and told everyone they don't know who we are. We're obviously crazy. Just don't talk to them. And that's yeah. a very one of the very common treatments that has been used. So Solomon did uh, talk to the congregation about us last time we were there, but he was uh, fairly respectful, I think. All right, great. Well, thanks for that report. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tell a friend about our podcast, and please visit our website, whtt.org. 
you will find a wealth of information and resources like the latest Pharisee Watch and unheralded news articles. Also, you can order our new video, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Even though this video is copyrighted, we don't mind if you copy it as long as you copy all of it. Then you can educate your friends and acquaintances about the dangers of Christian Zionism. Start small, think big, and press on toward the straight gate.